1: to turn on the shark spotlight Stephen lawrence is one of the players that the san jose sharks acquired in the big trade that sent brent burns to the carolina hurricanes Stephen, welcome to the san jose sharks we're really excited to have you what are your thoughts about the opportunity to come to the west coast and play in the nhl
0: you know what uh, first of all thanks for having me dan yeah it's 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 an incredible opportunity and i'm super excited to be uh to be a shark, um, you know, I haven't uh, played a whole lot of hockey out on the West Coast. You know, playing in Carolina the past two seasons, um, we we're only there for basically a cup of tea, and then then we'd head back and you know play a ton of games on the east side. And then obviously with COVID the year before that, we didn't really make it out at all. So um, I'm very excited to to be out there in California and, and get to know the lay of the land a little bit. Uh, I'm going to get down there in a, in a couple of weeks and, you know, like I said, just kind of get my bearings and I'm excited to meet, uh, meet all the players in the team and put some faces to names and stuff like that. So um, I obviously understand that they're going through a, a little bit of a rebuild right now and there's, you know, there's a lot of moving parts and pieces and you know, that's the business of the game. But uh, like I said, I'm just excited to be able to get down there and just show what I can, uh, what I can do and what I can bring to the organization.
1: Well, putting face and voice to name on our broadcast is one thing, but we got to get something straightened out. There was a a guy who played in the National Hockey League way, way back in the 1970s named Jim Lawrence, and that's how he pronounced his name. Played for the New York Rangers, for the Buffalo Sabres, and uh, his son played some college hockey. Are you related to this guy, and why do you pronounce your name differently?
0: Uh, I am related to him. He's from uh, from a you know, a little farm town, a couple towns over, like I said, and he would be, uh, he's, uh, there's a, you know, word on the street going around is that he's my grandfather. That's actually not true. He would be a, a cousin of my grandfather. So we are distantly related. Um, I, I've only met him once in my life, I believe, but, uh, um, yeah, like you said, uh, he pronounces it, you know, he went by Lawrence and, uh, my whole life growing up, like I said, it was my dad's name. So, um, in that farm town where he's from, they, they always went by Lawrence. So, Um, That kind of got changed last year. After my first year in the league, somebody came up to me and asked me, you know, they said, hey, how do you actually pronounce your name? And I said, well, technically it's this. And then, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of people tweeting at me after listening to the broadcast last season, how much uh, how much different Lawrence and Lorenz sound on the air. So, um, you know, I'll answer either. You can't really go wrong. But uh, but yeah, I guess Lawrence in my family, at least, is kind of the correct way to say it.
1: Well, that's how we're going to stick with it here on Sharks Audio Network broadcast, uh, Stephen. And uh, your dad, Mark, your mom, Karen, you're from, you're born in Kitchener, but you were raised in Waterloo. And I've been to that area quite a bit over the course of my life to visit with yep. friends and so forth. But just talk about the the atmosphere where you grew up.
0: I mean, I'm very fortunate that uh, we are such a tight-knit family and a very tight-knit hometown too. And, you know, that's kind of when I come home in the summer, and I can just kind of unwind and, and um, nothing against you know being in Carolina and playing anywhere pro hockey obviously there's some wonderful cities where you can play hockey and make a living but um, home is home for me and it's just kind of an escape physically and mentally when the season's done and I can just go home and decompress and and spend time with the people who I grew up with and really care about so there's a bunch of NHL players here now that we get some really good skates and workouts in but at the same time you know my mom and dad my three sisters we like to head up to our family cottage and just spend a lot of time there in the summer so there's not really a whole lot going on in, in the, the, the city of Waterloo, but, uh, you know, we enjoy our time here. And that's why, you know, all our buddies and friends keep coming home. And um, yeah, we love it. So why
1: don't you give us an idea for the American audience about what going out to the cottage means? Because that's such a big deal for anybody who's from from Ontario, especially, you know, going out to a place like Halliburton or Perry Sound or someplace like that.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's uh, it, it's a feeling I can't really you know, really describe because my cottage is basically my favorite place in the whole world. I've been going there my whole life since I was a kid. It's a family cottage. So some of my best memories growing up there, um, you know, you play spring hockey and then you go straight to the cottage after that. And you just rip all your clothes off and go jump in the lake. And, um, you know, you just have a good weekend fishing and campfires and playing tag and all that stuff that you do when you're kids. So um, we're not too far north. So we're not right up in, you know, the 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 Rockies and stuff like that. I guess Muskoka is the area that's called and it's just beautiful scenery, beautiful lakes all over. But, uh, you know, cottage our cottage is kind of small. It's, you know, there's a lot of wood inside. It's not like a cabin that you'd picture, but uh, we head up there, we're on a nice property, slopes right downhill and we go right into the lake. So we spend a lot of time going up there and, and jumping off the dock and um, having fires right at the lake. So that's my, that's kind of my paradise and that's my escape.
1: That sounds really idyllic and amazingly awesome. What's yeah. it like growing up with three sisters? Did you ever get a hot shower?
0: <laughs> well, there were some early mornings, woken up to a lot of screaming, and she stole this and she took that. So there were some times where I just wanted to get that extra 20 minutes of sleep that I didn't need to wake up and do my makeup and hair. But, um, you know, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of some, there's some fights, and I treated them like brothers sometimes because, you know, I missed. I'd be able to go to the rink and and have my guy time, but then I'd come home and sometimes, you know, my dad would be like, Hey, these are your sisters. These aren't your teammates. Like you got to, you know, treat them uh, like ladies and like women. So, um, but no, it was great. They're awesome. They're so supportive of me and my career and they've sacrificed so much, so many things over the years to be able to come watch my games and go to hockey tournaments. And they've missed, you know, dance and and horse riding and, and other sports just to be able to, to allow me to live out my dreams. So I'm very appreciative of them. And, uh, you know, they're still following me to this day. And obviously they're looking forward to getting some new jerseys because uh, obviously the the red and black and white is a little bit outdated. So I'm going to have to hook them up with some jerseys here pretty soon.
1: I'm sure that'll work out just fine. Where are you in the family out of the four kids? Where are you ranked?
0: I'm the second oldest. So my older sister, Stephanie, is a year older than me. I have a younger sister who's a year younger than me. And then another sister, younger sister, who's three years younger than me. And do any of them play any sports? Yes, they all play sports. My older and younger, all three of them played hockey at some point in their lives. And then uh, my older sister played baseball and golf. My younger sisters played, they rode horses and they also played baseball and and uh, they all danced and stuff like that too. But they're always, you know, hockey fans to start, but, um, you know, they never really wanted to pursue uh, anything in sports. They're all very, very intelligent girls and they all use their their brains to get some so you get education that, uh, you know, I, I kind of skipped out on, I guess you could say, taking the junior hockey route, but uh, no, they're very bright girls and uh, they're going to do very well for themselves. So I'm just kind of the proud, proud brother that gets to watch them, you know, pursue whatever goal that, or whatever dream job that they, uh, they're able to to manage to score in the next, you know, few years here, so.
1: And tell us about your parents. Obviously, they've been a big influence on your life. Your dad, uh, unlike some other guys with your last name, didn't play in the NHL. But I I suspect that he was influential in getting you started early.
0: Yeah, he's probably my um, he's the reason I'm 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 where I'm at right now. Um, Obviously, a whole family has made so many sacrifices over the years, but he's kind of the one that really made me believe that uh, it, it was possible. And, you know, I think I'm basically living out his dream because I think he wanted to make the NHL more than anybody I've ever known in my whole life. And he's kind of the one that told me, you know, you got to do those extra reps. You got to do those, those things that other people don't want to do. And, and when you learn that when you're young, because he was a farm boy and he had to do stuff like that. So um, he just kind of instilled that in me. And, and that's kind of something that I've taken pride in since I was a little guy and just doing the extra work. And, and that's your second nature now. So I credit a lot to, to my dad and he's my biggest fan. So there's nothing that goes by that, or that gets by him, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on TV or TSN, whatever NHL network on, on XM, like he's on the ball and he's always, you know, he'll, he'll text me and he'll say, Hey, did you hear about this before I even have a clue about it? So he's a a big time hockey fan and he can't wait to get down there either to, to check out the rink and, and see what everything's like.
1: Now, when you started playing hockey, you were awfully young. I mean, I hear stories about guys starting out when they were five years old, but you actually got on the ice when you were two.
0: I was out on the ice when I was two. And I think I was playing in a league by three. So, um yeah I guess you could say that's kind of a Canadian thing I don't know if it's that young but you know you're pretty much as soon as you start walking it's like okay well as soon as they're pretty stable on their feet let's put some skates on them and just see what they can do so I guess one of the first times my mom placed me on the ice I just kind of took off and I think that's when they realized like oh okay well he could be a pretty good little hockey player here so we'll see
1: so who were your favorite teams growing up and who were your favorite players
0: oh I was a Leafs fan I was born a Leafs fan and um That would have never, yeah, I never would have been allowed to cheer for any other team in that household. My whole room, my mom painted it. It was a big, um, the old Leafs arena, the ACC. There's a big, huge, the ice rink, I guess you could say, the size of my wall. I got Leaf pictures everywhere. And my favorite player was Matt Sundin. So I had a jersey of his and that was my first NHL jersey. So I thought that was pretty cool. I got that for my birthday one year and um, went to some Leafs games over the years. So that was my team growing up and not big Boston fans, not big Montreal fans, not big Ottawa fans. Those were kind of the rivals. So um, you wouldn't see many of those, you know, logos or colors flying around the house at all. So now,
1: I suppose that in your area, there's probably a few Sabres fans and maybe one or two Red Wings fans just because of the geography.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's right. Um, and you know what, my parents still to this day, I mean, I mean lease least tickets can get pretty crazy expensive sometimes. And, and it's, I don't know. For it, It's just so nice. My parents can just shoot down to Buffalo. It's only a two hour drive and um, it's a lot cheaper. You get better seats. And they just they go and have a few beers and spend the night there and come back the next day. They said it's, they, they love going down to Buffalo and and we have friends in Detroit too, actually my first NHL game that I, that I got to go watch was in, in grade one, I believe first grade. And I got to go watch it in Detroit at the old Joe Lewis arena. And I got to watch like Datsuk and Zetterberg and Fedorov and all those old names. So it was, pretty cool and i still have pretty fond memories of that game to this day so
1: well that's uh, that's a special thing your first game is always special when you see a national hockey league contest do you ever think about that when you jump on the ice right now that maybe when you're playing and doing it as a profession that there's some kid out there that's uh, that's in the stands that may be going to his very first game and you want to make it special for him
0: well dan i do it every game every single game i sit there at least some point you know, obviously the more intense games are a little bit different and you're a little bit more locked in and focused whether it's playoff games stuff like that but um there are games where I'll just find myself lost in the bench and I'll just be like like this is best seat in the house this is I remember sitting up there and that kid was watching me and now I get to do the same thing and um, it's just crazy how it comes full circle and there are still days where I just can't believe it. like I said I have the best job in the world and I think it's the coolest thing and that's one thing I'll be able to say when I'm done playing is I will to have taken one day for granted miss Lee, because um, there's so many kids out there that just want to make it and to be able to say that, you know, I played there, I played against this guy and I did this. And it's, it's just so special to share those stories with these kids and seeing their eyes light up and be like, well, you can tell them like, Hey, this could be you too. I remember being in your shoes and, some kids are even a little bit better off than I was at that age. So it's like to be able to tell a kid that, and then they can go, wow, it's like, this isn't just, you know, a dream. It's, you know, this could be real life. You just got to put the work in. You can explain that to a kid and it just changes their, their, yeah, I don't know. It's it's the coolest thing.
1: The more that I'm learning about you, the more that I've seen you've had a a variety of experiences in this game. For instance, most players that, that get to the NHL, were probably the best players in their league at some point. And, you know, you get to the, say the NHL draft lottery and uh, you know, you, you see which team selects first and, and, and which players get selected first in the draft. In your case, you were involved in a draft lottery when you were awfully young. Tell us about that.
0: Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. Actually. You've been doing your homework. Eh? <laughs> yeah, no, I was really young. And I guess there was like, um, four teams in the local area we had so many kids playing minor hockey that um i you know i happen to be pretty good at that age and we were really young I'm, I'm not even sure the exact age maybe nine or ten but uh the four coaches got together and and you know the, the the way they go about picking the teams is fair it's just pretty much like you know we'll take this kid we'll take this kid. and each coach i guess takes a turn it was just like um yeah i get you know what it might not have gone like that it might they, i don't know you just you get put to a team and I, I'm not exactly sure how it went. All I know is that the four coaches got together and basically drew straws and said like, okay, well, this kid's going to get taken first. So whoever draws, you know, the, the best straw here is going to get that player. So I ended up playing for the, the Mountain Wolves that year and we had some success that season. So. It was pretty cool and I didn't even find that out till years later I had no idea I didn't care I just wanted to play the game so
1: yeah that's that's a terrific story and of course the the flip side of that is that uh, it wasn't always that way for you for instance uh, in the OHL draft you went in the 12th round which is is not exactly being a first rounder and being a a phenom player but you were taken by the Peterborough Peets which is an organization that's long had a reputation for encouraging things that sound like were important to your parents encouraging that you don't forget about your education while you are training to be a professional hockey player um tell us about being selected by that organization about leaving home and going to Peterborough and playing and uh what your billet family was like
0: i mean it all happened so fast looking back junior is the best four years of my life like that was so cool being able to go from you know a minor hockey player the year before to you know I don't know what's going to happen next year. And then I signed at main camp and then it's like, okay, well now you're playing junior hockey against some of the best players in the world. And it's like, Holy, like what happened? Let's slow down a little bit here. Um, we went in there and it was basically, well, if, if we make the team, we make the team. If not, we had other options available, but Peter bro said, you know what? Um, they talked to my parents and my parents were obviously over the moon that, like you said that, you know, they put education first. They wanted you to, to make sure you're doing, good in school and you had good grades otherwise you didn't you know earn your ice time you didn't deserve to be out there so they made you work hard in that aspect but at the same time the the hockey was second then there were so many um people in that organization that obviously played you know long years of professional hockey and in the nhl you know my head coach jody hall played you know seven 800 nhl games and and, um you just learned so much there so it was special to be able to to go and play in a city like that you know a smaller market city i guess you could say but uh being able to go play in Peterborough and again, live with a, a bill family who I still keep in touch with to this day. Um, they are like a second family to me. And, and honestly, I haven't been able to see them a whole lot since COVID started. So um, I'm hoping to get down there at least once before I head back uh, down to San Jose, but um, they played a pivotal part. And I would never be where I'm at today without, you know, the the love and support because they basically take on the, you know, the parent role when my parents are a few hours away for the first time in my life. Right. So um, there's a lot of nights where I needed to, whether there's a shoulder to cry on or just some life advice, my billets were there always. And, um, for the rest of my life, I feel like if I ever had any questions at all, any needs, they'd be there in a heartbeat. So.
1: Well, also you have to remember, you know, most kids say, you know, I'm, I'm leaving home when I'm 18 to go to college, but uh, you were a little bit younger than that. When you went over there, you were only 17. So yep. it's, it's a little bit tougher, I think.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's a, it's, and, and some players adjust better than others. It's just the nature of the kid. And, um, like I said, my my um, transition was pretty seamless because of how good of people they were. And um, I got to live with a teammate and they also had uh, two kids living in the house too, Doug and Catherine, and they were great to me as well. So um, it was basically like living at home. There was a lot of hustle and bustle, which is what I was used to you know, growing up again with three sisters and just a busy household. So that was nothing new to me and it just made me feel right at home. So I was able to go and not worry about you know missing mom and dad. Uh, I just got to go and, and play hockey and come home and spend time with, you know, my family, my new family.
1: You're listening to the shark spotlight on the San Jose sharks audio network. We continue our conversation with the sharks, Stephen Lawrence, you've got good size. You're six, four, you're over 200 pounds, good solid NHL sort of uh, stock, but were you a late bloomer in terms of growing or were you always bigger than the other kids?
0: No, I was a late bloomer. I think when I was drafted to the OHL, I think I was like five foot nine and 130 pounds. So I wasn't, uh, I wasn't big by any means then. So I was fortunate just to get drafted in the first place. So it took a few years to just kind of get my coordination and my you know, my strength um, up to, I guess, NHL t- size now. But uh, over there, it was just like I said, that, that coordination and trying to put weight on when you're you know, stretching out higher and higher. It's just like you got to figure it out. Um, figure your body out and then when you step on the ice it makes it that much harder obviously your center of balance is way different from maybe even weeks or months before so um it takes a little bit of getting used to it, and that's why you know i think uh getting drafted by carolina it, it wasn't my first year in the ohl is it, it was a year after my draft year in my uh, second year junior that uh, that it was um that it happened so um I never really thought about it that much. I just wanted to have a successful career in the OHL and I had always in the back of my mind had hoped that you know a, a career playing professional hockey might work out.
1: Well, one thing that started to happen was the scouts started to notice you. And, of course, you were drafted in the seventh round by the Hurricanes in 2015. That's the same year, Sharks fans, that the San Jose drafted Timo Meyer in the first round. He's going to be a teammate of yours. But your club yep. in Peterborough made, made the playoffs every single year and had a couple of decent runs in the OHL. Tell us what, to, what that uh, road to the Memorial Cup feels like and what the experience is like to go through it.
0: I mean, it's cool. Anytime playoff hockey comes around the corner, it's like the intensity picks up the excitement and not just the, the locker room or around the arena, just in the city as well. It doesn't matter what city you're in. It's like everyone knows what playoff hockey's like and the intensity, like I said, it just ramps up. So uh, getting up and that was kind of my first taste of like real playoff hockey. Cause like I said, in minor hockey, like it's pretty cool. But when you start having, you know, thousands of people come to your games and you just feel that electricity, you can tell everybody's got to turn up, uh, turn up their game a notch or two and, and that's why, you know, guys get paid the big bucks. Some of those guys can step up and, and make plays in big games. And and those are the guys that uh, the teams want because they're winners and any team wants a proven winner. So to be able to have success in the playoffs is huge. And, and that's something that, uh, you know, I was fortunate to have in Peterborough. We always made the playoffs and we always made it to at least the first, second, third round. So it was pretty cool to be able to, you know, experience what it's like to, to win and lose at the same time, because you got to be able to learn to lose and, and hate losing to be able to, you know, really get over that threshold and, and get over that hump, I guess, to, to keep winning and, and move further and further.
1: And so moving further for you was to the ECHL, to Florida, to the Everblades and then to the Charlotte checkers. And uh, you had a very special experience in 2019, I think in the playoffs, tell us
0: about that run. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Like I just said, um, going further and further in the playoffs and then eventually ultimately being coming a champion is, um, it's, it's, it's hard to think about when you're going through it. And, and even after it happens, it's hard to, you know, accept that it's all over just like that, because part of the experience is, is the experience itself is, is getting there um, the stuff you learn along the way and, and what guys battle through it. I mean, everybody sees at the end of the year, after, you know, this injury, this player was playing through this and that, and, it's what makes hockey such a great game. Is guys are really willing to get hurt and, and play through it for their teammates, for their fans, for their organization. So, um, it's so cool to see guys really, um, you know, put themselves and their well being aside for the greater good of the team, and, and just being able to go go through that and, and and experience you know losing some big games and winning some big games. It was just you know it was an emotional roller coaster, but eventually once we came up on top, we're the Cold Cup champions um, is all worth it so it was very cool to be able to you know walk around with a little bit of pride and say yeah we did it like this is a very special thing so I'm very proud of that group to this day so keep in touch with a lot of those guys like I said just because of that brotherhood you you create when you're you know really pushing yourself to the limit so it was very special to be a part of that group and you know I still have my ring on display in my room somewhere but uh, yeah it was, it was very special.
1: Well, it's still the second most prestigious trophy in all of hockey, the Calder Cup, to win it. And uh, Mike Vellucci was your coach there. You had a lot of really good players that that are on the Carolina Hurricanes there. Martin Hs was there. Morgan Geeky, Jake Bean. These are guys that have a lot of experience in the National Hockey League. Tell us about playing against men, because that's got to be a big step forward when you do win a championship and you're playing in a best of seven against men as a professional. That's got to give you an idea of what the NHL is going to be like, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely, and you know a lot of a lot of teams that load up and, and go to the Calder Cup finals. It's not just no. I mean, there's there's exceptions. There's, there's a lot of rookies who who come in and thrive, and you know that those those most of those players are going to be NHL players, especially if they're they're doing that well on that good of a team in in a as a rookie or as a young player. But a lot of those guys do have NHL experience, and um, you know your those guys have a taste of what the next level is like. So you're, you're basically going to war against guys who have, you know, families to feed and and they're trying to put food on the table for their kids. So, you know, they, they got money to make too. So they don't want to go out there and get pushed around by a bunch of younger players. So, I mean, there's, those guys don't take anything, uh, anything lightly and they don't take it easy on you at all. So that's to be expected obviously, but uh, you know, you go out there and it's just like, wow, okay, this is war. This is maybe what the NHL would be like, because, you know, I never had one NHL game to that point. So I didn't really know what to expect, but uh, I think playing in those finals was a, a pretty good taste and it was just, okay, this is maybe what I got to get to, to be able to, you know, take that jump and be able to play at the next level.
1: By, by that time, of course, you had taken part in a couple of training camps and uh, you got to the NHL in your fourth year as a pro in, in 2020, but give us just a clue about Rod Brindamore and about his approach to the game and about uh uh, the fact that we still hear that he's in as good a shape as, as most of the players in the NHL and that he's so devoted and, and focused every day. And what, what effect that had on you?
0: Uh, I can't say enough good things about Roddy. Like, I, I don't even know where to start right now. Um, he was just bottom line. He would never expect anything from a player that he wouldn't himself do. And he had obviously been through basically every situation you put yourself in, you know, he's a cup champ. He lost in the finals. he, He played however many, you know, he played over a thousand NHL games. He had success as a, you know, a power forward, as a goal scorer. He played all kinds of roles. So he knew every single guy inside and out of that locker room, what they were capable of doing. And he knew what what buttons to press for each different guys. And, and he was able to make, you know, the, um, the wheel turn as one. So um, he demanded a lot, but he just wanted you to work hard. At the end of the day, if you made a mistake because you were being too aggressive, he'd rather you do that than it's because, you know, you, you froze up, you did make a decision in time. You know, he was all about being in your face and playing hard to play against and just being relentless. So um, the leadership and, and every, like, he found a way to get us motivated to play night in and night out, you know, 82 games a year, that's hard to do, but he found a way to find a speech that, you know, just kind of lit a fire under us. And, you know, we didn't always perform up to expectations. There was a lot of times where he took them took the blame for losses that weren't his fault. And we just, you know, came out flat, but, Um, He really is an unbelievable coach. And um, I had the privilege of playing for him for two years. And and if there's ever players that uh, do have the opportunity to play for him, just listen to everything he says and, and uh, learn as much as you can, because uh, you shouldn't take it for granted. It, It truly is a privilege to be able to learn from, from a guy like Rod.
1: One other guy you played for is Ryan Worsoski. I know Mike Volucci was the coach of the team when you uh, when you won the Calder Cup the next year. Ryan Worsoski won the Calder Cup this past year with the Chicago Wolves. Um, so, give us kind of an insight as to what a young coach like that does to to help your career.
0: Yeah, I mean, he basically uh, again another guy who I wouldn't be here without him uh, today. Uh, I was buried kind of on that Calder Cup run. I, I was uh, you know split that that season in the East Coast League and. And there was a lot of guys who were playing ahead of me in the lineup, which, you know, was fine. Again, I got to learn a lot being a, a guy who was kind of in and out in the lineup during that Calder Cup run. But at the same time, um, he called me in the off season going into the, the the following season after we lost about 15 players from that uh, Calder Cup team. And he just said, look, you're going to be playing a, a lot bigger role this year. Um, I'm not going to give it to you, but I'm going to give you all the opportunities. And if you come in and you work hard and you take it, they're all there for you. And I was fortunate that, you know, that's all I needed, that spark. And I went in there and I did just that. And he was he was true to his word and he put me in all kinds of situations. And he really encouraged me and, and developed me into the NHL player I am today. So um, a guy who is basically almost like a Roddy 2.0, he's, he's he's like a bulldog. He's feisty, he's in your face. He just wants the best out of every player and he's all about hard work too. So um, that's a guy who the, the Sharks, you know, they – couldn't have picked maybe a a better assistant coach uh, a guy who hopefully has a long career in the NHL because you know he sees the game thinks the game so well but you know again another guy who just can get a lot out of his players
1: all good news to hear one thing that we keep hearing about you is that work ethic and uh, continually trying to improve your game are two of your best qualities but uh, how would you describe the type of player that you are and the type of play that you're bringing to San Jose
0: you know I think uh I play a good, smart two-way game. Um, I like to think that, you know, my my, my offensive zone can uh, – it can improve, and I think that's going to come with confidence and just being able to play a little bit more free in the offensive zone, and, and I'm looking forward to doing that this season. But, uh, yeah, I think um, my play in the D zone obviously creates a lot of my offensive opportunities just because uh, I think that's where a lot of the offense starts. And then if um, guys in the other team are cheating like that, I like to think I can make a – good breakout pass and just kind of be a good complimentary player off the rush and you know i like to be big and play big in front of the net so um i'm going to spend a lot of time in front of the net and hopefully trying to take the goalies eyes away and just being options for guys and um, i just want to kind of hound the puck down low and and um again create offensive opportunities when i can just create energy
1: do you see yourself more as a center iceman or a winger
0: Oh, that's a difficult question to answer. I played center a lot my first year, and then last year I was kind of all over the map. So I'm I'm very very comfortable in all three positions. Um, it would honestly just depend on where the coach needed me. I like to think that I can be used in you know a lot of different uh, situations and, and line combinations. So I just take pride in kind of being that Swiss Army knife kind of versatile player.
1: So, so that means you're probably working on face-offs quite a bit at practice. You're, you're looking at uh, uh, perhaps working on your skating and, and your edges and all that work in the summertime Are all these things, part of the way you train.
0: That's it pretty much. I, I basically just try and do as much as everything as I can. I, you know, I just, I love being on the ice and working on whatever it is. So um, I take pride in my work ethic, like you said, but um, you know, I just still have fun playing the game and, and it doesn't matter if it's practice or a game, I'm, I'm having fun. Um, you know, that's that's what I'm going to do day in and day out for, you know, my whole career.
1: Playing the game is fun, obviously, but it's also your profession. And so you have to take it really seriously. What's the toughest part about getting through an 82-game schedule because of how grueling it is and how you get through those tough times?
0: Yes, yeah, I think the toughest thing is consistency. It's, it's easy to be good and, and go through stretches where things are good, but I think a lot of um, your character and, and um, what's the word? I guess you just, a lot of your, the team's character and identity comes from when times are tough and, and uh, you know, you face adversity and and what it, what it takes to get through those challenging times is kind of really what, what gives your team, you know, that, like I said, that identity and, and kind of builds character for a lot of guys, and especially guys who have been on winning teams. And, and, you know, I've been fortunate to be on some winning teams and I've, you know, I've been on some losing teams as well, not at the NHL level, but, Um, I think as long as you stay on the same page and you you don't go off and get selfish, you got to stick to one group and and have one goal in mind and and you all got to stay tugging on the same rope. And, um, you know, then success will lead and and you'll get out of those slumps. But um, obviously winning winning is great, but you're not going to win all 82 games in the season. If you do, good for you. But um, it's very hard to do. It's very hard to win at this level. And so I guess if you can do that consistently, that's probably the toughest thing to do.
1: How much does the disappointment of not going as far as you expected in the Stanley cup playoffs motivate you for uh, transforming the San Jose sharks back into a playoff team like they have been for so many years.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm excited for the challenge because again, um, I used to watch a lot of those shark runs where it just seemed like they came so close every year. And um, it was honestly disappointing as a Leafs fan to watch how close and how many good players they had come through. And, and it was just, you know the frustrating being like oh they're 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 right there but they just can't get over that hump so um yeah i'm, I'm excited to try and bring that maybe the culture and um the experience that i gained in you know those t- two short years into uh, san jose's locker room and, and try and sh- share it with whoever you know needs maybe advice or a crutch and just hopefully lead by example and in those big games, if you know a play needs to be made where I can either sacrifice myself, put my body on the line, or something like that, then then I'm all for doing stuff like that.
1: Steven, what do you know about the city of San Jose, and how much time have you actually spent here? Probably not much.
0: Yeah, no, I don't know a whole lot about San Jose. I, I actually don't know a ton about uh, California, to be completely honest. I just know you know geographically, or you're right close to, to San Jose, you're right near the or to San Francisco. Sorry, you're. Um, kind of in that Bay area you're you're close to a lot of you know cities that uh, have a lot going on but um, we only spent I think one night there last year after we played the Sharks and we were out of there the next day either it was Anaheim or, or LA but yeah I didn't get to spend a whole lot of time there but um, like I said I'm excited to get down there and just you know try to get my bearings a little bit.
1: Do you know anybody on the San Jose Sharks all that well?
0: James Reimer he's the only guy so he reached out to me after I signed and Um, he was all excited. So he, he helped me with, uh, like a realtor lady to, um, that I can go look for places, stuff like that. But other than that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much going in with with my eyes closed here. So, um, if anybody has any suggestions on, you know, places to eat, um, nice areas to live this and that, then, uh, you know, I can, uh check my DMS and, and uh, hopefully um, the Sharks fans can help me out a little bit too. <laughs>
1: hey, listen, uh, you have any message that you'd like to give to Sharks fans as to, as to what to expect and what you're looking forward to doing and what the Sharks need to do to, in your mind, get back to where they need to be.
0: Um, just watching what, uh, what Mike Greer has done so far in this off season, this may be really excited just because, you know, you got to bring good people into the organization and that, and that's what the Canes did to kind of steer the ship in the right direction. And, and then when you bring in, you know, right coaching staff and the right pieces to the puzzle, everything usually falls into place. So I'm really excited to be a part of the group. Um, I'm excited to get down there and just play my hardest. So I think a lot of guys are kind of in the same boat as that. And, um, yeah, let's uh, let's get the ship going in the right direction. And, yeah.
1: It's been great spending time with you, Steve, and we look forward to seeing you and, and all the best. Thanks for joining us.
0: Thanks a lot, Dan. Really appreciate the talk. Take care. <laughs>
1: Our thanks to Stephen Lawrence for joining us in the Spotlight today. I'm Dan Rusinowski. The Shark Spotlight is a presentation of the San Jose Sharks Audio
0: Network.